Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. to this week's Failed Critics Podcast, Godzilla Special, with our resident chinchilla Godzilla expert <laughs> impressionist in the background. Owen's chinchilla is wrecking his house. He's going like crazy. A, like a mini Godzilla. So if you hear crashing around in the background, that's exactly what it is. Uh, Owen Hughes and his chinchilla are here. Hello. Uh, Matt Lamborn is here. Hello. I am here. And James Diamond is back. Rejoice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the return of the fat white duke. Two, I'm here, people. Two questions. Yes. Permanent return or just a one-off? No, no. It's, I, I, I missed you guys too much. I'm back. Uh, I'm, yeah. <laughs> and apologies to the audience, yeah. but I'm back. Actually, three, three questions. <laughs> everything. How is everything in Casa Diamond? It, it's good, actually. Um, uh, our, our son, Henry, is a big unit shares his birthday with Dwayne the Rock Johnson um and so it's kind of appropriate that he is a massive big ass bad boy <laughs> um but he's very good everyone here is healthy and you know I, I've I'm basically doing this podcast with no preparation not much sleep and with a glass of wine next to me so it's it's business as usual it's and, all good and can the listeners now expect after we've been getting into some tightly timed podcast maybe even in under an hour on one occasion are we going are we going to expect two hour podcast because you won't shut up yeah you might get lucky in that I, I could well just fall asleep while we're doing this podcast and then it should be a nice tight hour again i'll do my best do you know i it's interesting i've listened to them as as i've been away because you know what i just can't get through the week without hearing your voice steve um so i've been listening to them uh, I've been editing them. I've even been chopping bits out because, you know, I had a bit of time on my hands. Do you hear, so you hear that, Owen? Actually editing. Has has he hear that, Owen? He's, he's not missed you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably all my stuff is edited. I, do you know what? I, I know I don't need to massage Owen's uh, ego, uh, was the word I was searching for. Thank there. God. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, I've, I've been listening and I've been really impressed that the other week you had four people on and kept it to an hour. And it did make me take a long, hard look at myself. Um, that said, I've already used up three minutes talking about myself here, so should should I just shut up again? Yes, on to the quiz where I am 1-0 up after guessing uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson on one one guess. Uh, So, um, it's me against... Is it me against James or me against both yeah, of you? Yeah, I'm back because I'm back now. Okay. Sorry, Matt. You just have to sit this one out. It's all right. I'll add an hour to the podcast if I get involved <laughs> in the quiz again. Okay. Yeah. So, Owen, <laughs> get on with it. Um, okay. Right. I'm going to start with one which hopefully no one will guess straight away this time. It was um, James, one of James's favourite films ever, I believe. Movie 43. Oh, God. <laughs> oh wow yeah that narrows it down doesn't yes it? and one of our um punishments for winning Steve. the quiz yeah go Steve. for it 
Yep. Dennis Quaid. It's not Dennis Quaid. Uh, you can have uh, a go, James. Uh, yeah, Christopher Mintz Platt. It's not. No. That's Remember, I've only seen half of this film, so I might don't know who's in the second <laughs> half of it. Okay. Um, in 2006, they were in Big Mama's House 2. Oh, oh, who would do that to themselves? <laughs> Other than Martin Lawrence, who's got nothing, who's got nothing else on. So. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, I can't. I'm, I'm struggling now. No. I'm, no. No. Okay. Okay. On to the next one. In 2005, um, the year before Big Mama's House 2, they were in the Amityville Horror remake. Um, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. It is, yes. Someone's on the Google. (laughs) Boom. There we go. One, one, one. One, one. Um, That feels good. That feels good to get that out. Okay, on to the news then, and <laughs> only only real one uh, big bit of news this week, following on um, from uh, the Godzilla success in the on the big screen at the box office, and considering this is a Godzilla special, Godzilla Two has already been announced. Wow, that's pretty impressive, uh, and it shows. It shows some kind of confidence behind... I'm assuming Gareth Edwards is going to be involved with the sequel. It's not been confirmed, no. but um, he has he has mentioned that I think he wanted to do something... If he did do a sequel, he wanted to do something involving Monster Island, I think. Oh. He, spoke, he spoke of an interest in that kind of theme, story, area. We'll come on to if, that. If he did. <laughs> but also, um, Del Toro also expressed interest in a crossover between Godzilla and Pacific Rim, so... Oh, get stuffed. <laughs> there's no way it could Shikoro was down for Godzilla originally wasn't he and he yeah. had to focus on Pacific Rim yeah anything so... to keep Roland Emmerich off the project again really anyone but him yeah uh, Um, I, I think do you know what I, we'll come on to the actual film later but I, I do think it's quite interesting that um that they have uh, greenlit it so soon, and it must just be because of excellent international box office. Mm. And domestic, I think. It's... And domestic, well, yeah, um, I think we mentioned beforehand, it's uh, it's beaten Spider- the new Spider-Man film at the box office, hasn't it? It's taken more than that, so that's that in itself is quite impressive, because I know Godzilla is, is part of a larger series, but there's not been a, a Godzilla film for a very long time, and the last one was fucking terrible. So it's kind of started from scratch and it's done really well to do that mm. regardless of what people actually think of the film which we'll come on to later and it's not had a massive um actor in it that would draw people to films no. like that either there's no tom cruise there's no brad pitt you know so to, for it to, there's no matthew broderick <laughs> but for it to do as well as it's done is you know with a, a, non, a relatively unknown director as well you know one mm. major project under his belt and that was his own little indie film so yeah. yeah, it's quite it, impressive. It's, it's done well, and, and it, its power has been the name. Yeah. Um, because whether anyone's ever seen a Godzilla film before, they they know Godzilla. It's one of those things that's passed into our cultural consciousness, hasn't it? Um, yeah, but I think I even think in the advert, you know, mm. that's uh, which was one of my favourite adverts growing up. As a, uh, but 
yeah, it's Godzilla, and it's a really well-made trailer as well. Let's be honest, that trailer would have got people. That you know, first few trailers would have got people really excited and would have got people in to see it as well. And I think there's just a lot of people who like to see big monsters wrecking shit, mm. which is probably why mm. people still go and see Transformers, and there's a fourth one coming out because big things wrecking shit. And there's a God, and there's a trailer for that today. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> Are people genuinely excited about that online? I, I heard that people were excited about the new Transformers film after seeing the trailer. I Is must that... admit, and I'm not a fan oh, of Transformers, man. but the trailer looked kind of cool, uh, especially where <laughs> you have it, it introduces what looks like Grimlock, which would be one of the Dinobots from the original animated series. That looked pretty think... badass. I think if anything's going to sell me on it, it's the fact that it's got Mark Wahlberg in it. That's possibly the only thing that who, makes me who think. Who thought that would be a sentence? <laughs> I think just a few years ago, I do like Mark Wahlberg, but even I, yeah, I, I like him a lot. But even I think if he's if he's what you're basing your your might like Transformers for, you're, you're grasping at straws I'll, a little bit. I'll though. tell you what would have yeah. made me might like it a bit, or might be a bit you know enthusiastic about it, it was if in the trailer they brought up. Not made by Michael Bay anymore. <laughs> <laughs> from the man yeah. who didn't bring you any of the first three Transformers yeah. films. That would have been a good credit. Yeah. To from have, so, yeah. from somebody else. Yeah. Transformers yeah. 4. Who knows? It, it, do you know what? Maybe it will be good. <laughs> well, whilst they still continue to make hundreds of millions of dollars. But yeah, that, you know, that's the other thing. They'll keep making well. them. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I bet it will be better than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, though. That's and that's the real tragedy that he's going to ruin that. Which he's not directed. I uh, know, but he's he's the creative. Yeah, he's, force he's, behind he's it. just yeah. destroying our youth one movie at a time. I know. He'll be no, on, George, he'll be on to a Ghostbusters remake next, yeah. won't he? Oh fuck <laughs> off! <laughs> well, they did say that they were going to do a Ghostbusters three years ago, but it hasn't really materialised. But it's got to be the original cast. But now Egon died. Yeah. It can't happen. Yeah. Anyway, on to um, the break, which will be followed by a what we've been watching classic Godzilla special. Run for your life! The muncher is coming! He's eating everything in his path! This is the end of civilization as we know it. Not quite, Professor. It's a long shot, but might just work. Come back, Chuck. Come back. Chew it. Even chewier than a 15-story block of flats. So what we've been watching then, and a look at some of the classic Godzilla films prior to uh, the 2014, this week's new release, uh, and not including the Matthew Broderick effort from the end of the 90s. That <laughs> is not considered classic in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Never happened. No, it doesn't exist. Um, anyway, so Matt, as you, you were kind of one hyped up about this film the most. You are, if anyone is, our resident Godzilla expert, so maybe you could start this bit off. Yeah, sure. So I did a preview piece on the Fail Critics website a few weeks ago to get everyone excited about the big new release. Um, I touched on what I thought were, were five of the better films from the uh, classic Godzilla uh, back catalogue. 
um, and we've assigned one or two of these each to each other to, to watch in anticipation of preparation for this show. So I'll just talk about very briefly the, the sort of Godzilla timeline, which started in 1954, the release of the original Gojira, which featured the monster as a, as a symbol of nuclear devastation and a warning to mankind to not dabble in powers that it has no right to, to do so. Uh, and given that it came less than 10 years after the Nagasaki and Hiroshima atom bomb attacks, you can appreciate that it was still a very, very delicate subject matter for uh, the survivors of, of those attacks and how it, it would have weighed very heavily on the psyche of the entire country when it was released. So I'm not sure what you could compare it to in sort of Western cinema where it touches on such a, a sensitive subject, but needless to say, the, the impact it would have had on that surviving generation would have been enormous. Um, so it basically features a, a monster that is mutated by nuclear radiation, which uh, goes on a rampage in Japan and how the country is seemingly helpless uh, to stop it. And Erin um, and James, I think you two have both seen it. So I'm sure you can both um, weigh in with your thoughts on what a very dark and gloomy tone this movie has to it especially compared to some of the more happy-go-lucky Godzilla films which uh, which came after it. I love the original Godzilla. I absolutely love it. I saw it... Um, it was the last film I ever watched in 2011, actually. I, I remember watching it, like, over New Year's um, Eve, all the way through into New Year, and it was... I kind of expected it to be just... A, like you are saying, it doesn't really compare to any Western films but i kind of had in my head it'd be a bit like you know the thing from another world um or even like war of the worlds that kind of 50s sci-fi mm. vibe mm. and it isn't it is a very devastating um quite, quite a powerful film it's very emotional um it's not just about a monster attacking the city it's got this massive like weight to it so uh, you know as you've touched on the the effects of the um nuclear uh, weapons testing and how it affected that was it it was just a small fishing village wasn't it on the pacific yeah. absolutely obliterated by this horrible um like effects from these nuclear testing things and that's basically what gave birth to the godzilla film so i i kind of was a bit blown away by it first time i saw it i don't know yeah um, I, was, I saw it quite a few years ago and i haven't seen it since but i do remember it wasn't it, the, the thing that really struck me, like Owen says, uh, and like you said as well, Matt, in the sense that it is actually quite weighty and dark and gloomy. And it isn't that film is not what people think of when they think of Godzilla films. Yeah. And yeah, that's the original film. But when people when you see either kind of great kind of lovingly made parodies and homages of Godzilla, uh, for example, the, there's a great episode of Arrested Development where they've got a. Uh, a giant mole destroying a kind of toy town and stuff like that. And there's, and they've got Japanese businessmen visiting. And it's this lovely kind of like playful homage to Godzilla and stuff like that. But that is based on uh, the, the later Godzilla films, basically. And you think of that as Godzilla, but no, that original film stands on its own uh, as being um, a worthy piece of cinema. Like you say, the fact that it was made so soon after such a, a, a devastating I think because it wasn't just the nuclear war; it was the fact that this great imperial 
country was brought to its knees by the United States of America, which would, you know, in terms of like, you know, their honor code and things like that also had a massive effect on their national psyche. And um, yes, seeing them basically seeing a country go through collective therapy through an entertaining monster film is just an incredible experience. Couldn't have put it much better than that. That was very well summed up. So, um, yeah, that was the first film, and it was preceded a year later, although I don't think they originally intended to do a sequel, with uh, a film um, It was called Godzilla Raids Again, which was essentially, not. it's not quite a carbon copy, but it, it's the same sort of plotline that Godzilla has somehow come back from uh, death in the first movie and wreaks havoc on Japan again. It's a bit of a shameless cash-in, and it, the the sort of tension of the first ones immediately lost, whilst uh, Godzilla is still portrayed as this evil force or unstoppable force of nature. The the nuclear overhang of the first ones completely lost, so it's not nearly as as powerful and certainly not as recognised as the original. Um, shortly after that, the the Godzilla timeline skews uh, quite a bit. They do a couple more. Uh, films where they involve Godzilla in um, partnership with some of their other intellectual properties, such as the Rodan uh, and Mothra series. And then they skew off into a different tangent whereby they try to portray Godzilla as a good guy and try and market it more towards children. And this is where the series gets extremely silly, um, but it's probably become more famous and, and in notoriety around the world because of it. Uh, it certainly introduced it to a wider audience than um, the Japanese box office, which ate up the first couple of movies. Um, and that ends in the mid-70s uh, in what we call the, the, the climax of the Showa era and, and then kicks off again 10 years later with um, Godzilla 85, also known as the return of Godzilla, where Godzilla returns to basically the exact same way he was portrayed in the original movie um, and is a direct sequel to the original Gojira uh, and conveniently forgets everything that's happened in between a, a good 15 movies or so. They're completely disassociated. Um, and that one's one of my favourites uh, because, I've, in my opinion, it features one of the more nasty and... Uh, evil-looking monster suits that they had in the entire series. And the the personality of the monster portrays is this unstoppable, uh, unprejudiced uh, destroyer, which um, appeals most to me as a fan of the original movie. It's certainly not as uh, plot-heavy or um, as, as important as the first one is, but it introduces a lot of more sophisticated set design, uh, and, and much better effects than you'll see in any of the Showa era movies. So it's a good introduction to uh, bring Godzilla into modern cinema. Uh, and the the second era of Godzilla runs from that particular movie up until the mid-90s, which ends with uh, Godzilla vs. Destroyer, which I think Owen's going to be talking this through a little bit later on. Um, but up until that point, they, they stay consistent with Godzilla as this... Um, destroyer that isn't uh, doing anything particularly to defend the people of Earth, as you see in some of the earlier Showa uh, show era movies. Uh, and again, they kill him off um, at the end of the Heisei era and reintroduce him 
1999 with Godzilla 2000, which is a, a direct uh, response to the god-awful Roland Emmerich <laughs> USA title, <laughs> whereby they, they conveniently um, include the uh, Godzilla USA in, in the plot for the film, dismissing it as a different monster entirely. Um, <laughs> by stating there's a there's a line in the movie where they say oh did you hear that Godzilla had attacked New York and they basically say no that wasn't Godzilla um, <laughs> and then they later bring the monster back into one of the the sequels to that movie as a beast known just as Zilla which Godzilla completely annihilates and <laughs> destroys <laughs> extremely easily so did they, they make that was that a guy in a costume as well did they have to make no, a costume like, um, oh. that was in uh, 2004's Godzilla Final Wars and that was in CGI but they basically have Godzilla fighting uh, Zilla in Sydney and Godzilla just smashes him into the Sydney Opera House and kills it off extremely quickly <laughs> so they, they put that Gosh, that yeah. horrible mistake to bed extremely quickly <laughs> so um Godzilla Final Wars, which comes in 2004, and that was the last Japanese Godzilla movie uh, that was made, um, is very similar to um, Destroy All Monsters from the Showa era, which James will be speaking about, uh, whereby it reintroduces a lot of classic Godzilla characters into a, a monster mash, for lack of a better word, and is, is quite heavily favoured by a lot of uh, the Godzilla freaks you'll speak to online. Um, it's a pretty cool movie, but as I say, that's the last one that was made in Japan, and the the legend of Godzilla has remained dormant ever since until uh, last week, where we have uh, Gareth Edwards' latest incarnation of the Great One, and I'll be very interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. Did, is, are there any plans for Japanese cinema to make another one, or is it all just well quiet now? Toho, who produces the, the Godzilla movies pretty much only have that and one or two other monster uh, intellectual properties that they can bank on. The other one being Gamera, which isn't popular in the Western audiences because it's a, a giant flying turtle. <laughs> Why the hell not? Yeah, so, Why the hell haven't we got well, a Gamera? I won't, I won't talk about Gamera, but if you want to check it out on Google, it's, it's pretty amusing. But that has its own long-running series as well. But what they tend to do is they run a, a series of of uh of films retire them for a few years and then bring them back with a, a completely fresh reboot which often doesn't relate to anything that they've done with the character previously and i imagine that once um the u.s has had its fill of godzilla toho will, will come back with their own version okay uh excellent so um i decided to watch Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah from 1991. Um, quite a fun film. Not the best film I've ever watched, I must admit, but it was enjoyable. Um, there's a lot in there, isn't there? There's um, a, a, an author of books on psychic phenomena. There's time <laughs> travel. There's a UFO, which is actually piloted by humans and not aliens. Um, and it's obviously Godzilla and another monster called King Ghidorah. Um, there's lots, there's lots packed into this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's one of the the meatier sort of uh, plots in any Godzilla movie uh, that, that I've seen, uh, and it's on my favourite list because it has what I would consider, at least in Godzilla terms, an excellent Genesis story. 
Which, um, it, which is Godzilla was a dinosaur on an island who was, um, because of nuclear testing, turned into uh, a, a bigger dinosaur, essentially. Yeah, but I think they, they just about managed to, to put that together quite well. I mean, it's still pretty far-fetched, generally speaking. But um, as far as having a go at really explaining how the monster came to be, it's, it's certainly the best that they've done in any of the Godzilla films. Yeah, and then you get kind of involved with the the the, the uh, UFO landing at Mount Fuji when it turns out it's people from the future who claim uh, Futurians, they're called. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you've got to love that one. Yeah. They come up with some great names nice. in this series, don't they? Yeah. yeah. What was the, is it the Oxygenator Bomb? Was that the original, was that what it was called? The Oxygen Destroyer, it was called. Oxygen, yeah, yeah. Which, the monster destroyer is somehow loosely connected to that weapon that killed Godzilla in the original movie. Uh, yeah, great names though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, I can't help think they've lost a little something in translation. Maybe in Japanese they sound really awesome, and then like <laughs> some lazy trans. Yeah, it's the monster destroyer. That'll do. But, it. but but there was there was one um, in in versus King Ghidorah. There was one character, and he he was a government he was a government official of some rank, I can't remember what, but he was one of the ones who went to meet the Futurians the first time. And he is overacting constantly. It's all, <laughs> you know how, like, when you see um, a Japanese film being dubbed rather than subtitled? It oh. was kind of like that, although it wasn't actually dubbed. But it kind of gave me that impression. <laughs> wow. It was really strange. Um, it was brilliant. He just looked like he was hamming it up all the way through of his facial expressions. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they come back in time to try and claim that, that, that Godzilla, or Godzilla-saurus, as they call him, uh, was had destroyed Japan in in the future. So they come back to stop that happening, although their motives aren't exactly honest. <gasps> and I won't want to spoil it for anyone who wants to go and see this <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, but, I think I think like with this one, and like with probably most other Godzilla films, they're enjoyable, they're fun, uh, they're a bit silly, Um you've got to kind of appreciate that they're not going to have kind of the greatest effects because of the budget and everything like that. But, the, you know, it, it's enjoyable, it's fun, um, but it's not going to be the best film you're ever going to see. And I probably think that'll be a, it would be that a kind of common theme across these reviews, yeah. with, with possibly the exception of the original that seems to have a, an excellent reception and a bit of a darker and meatier mm. plot to it. Steve, did you pick up on the <laughs> the genesis <laughs> of how S- Steven Spielberg came to write Close Encounters of the of the Third Kind and E.T. from that uh, King Ghidorah movie. I think I missed that. I don't know I... <laughs> it's one of the most ridiculous scenes in any movie I've ever seen. And I posted a link to the particular clip in my Godzilla preview article. Uh, but basically... Um, during the film, they travel back in time to when uh, Godzilla-saurus is uh, just before it's created and turned into Godzilla. And you see that the, the Futurians UFO shoots over a, a US uh, warship. And there's two um, personnel on the ship saying, arguing whether they've just seen a UFO. And the commanding officer says to the other guy, he says, uh, well, you think we should report this and tell them that we've seen little green men? How about you just save it and <laughs> tell your son about it when it's born, Major Spielberg? 
<laughs> I do remember that now. I just didn't really think about it at the time. It was kind of, I don't know if I was not paying attention to the, the subtitles properly or whatever. I just didn't really cotton on until you just said it's, that. It's just absolutely absurd. But that, that particular bit, even if you've watched the um, the Japanese subtitle bit, that's in English, but it's just so terribly performed and acted. It, but it's it's absolutely insane. But I love it. It's just so bad. But uh, yeah, that's a, a, a cute comical piece on that film. Okay, um, James, which one did you watch for this? I went for kind of out of the the three of us newbies. I went for one of the oldest ones, and mainly because of the title. When I looked at a list of ones in the films that I could choose for this, I saw one that said "Destroy All Monsters." I was like, "Yep." <laughs> That's the one for me. It's from 1968, and quite interesting, you know, read a little bit about it. It's the ninth Godzilla film, uh, and it's also the last one which is produced by the four main kind of creators of the original one. So uh, uh, Ishiro Honda directing it. You've got uh, Tomoyuko Tanaka producing it. Uh, let's see if I can get this right. Akiro Ifukubi uh, with the score, and Aiji... Asia. I can't get the first one. I'm going to say Subiara though, uh, who did the special effects. So it was um, the 20th uh, kaiju film from Toho as well. And um, basically it was meant to be, at the time, the final Godzilla film. Obviously, as Matt says, they just kind of retire them for a bit and then bring them back out. But it was given a bigger budget. And the plot of this one is at the end of the 20th century, so 1999, uh, we have built... Uh, not only built a base on the moon uh, where we can live, which is quite cool, uh, but we've also collected all of the Earth's kaiju uh, on a, an area known as Monsterland, which is just a really nice name. It's kind of like an early Jurassic Park. Yeah, and it looks where... about the size of a football pitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These huge monsters just like kicking around on a park called Monsterland. And the film opens up like a David Attenborough documentary. It's going, this is Monsterland. There is the mighty Godzilla. <laughs> There's just this really kind of, well, oh, and then uh, we built a base there and we got some weird gas on there. That, do you know what? We can keep them on the island, though. So we're researching them and things like that. And then all of a sudden, there's an earthquake on the island. And then from nowhere, Godzilla attacks New York City. Rodan. Uh, the flying pterodactyl attacks Moscow. Mothra lays waste to Beijing. Um, I always, Mothra is just so weird in this film. It's just this big crawling caterpillar type thing that plays chicken with a train and the train bursts into flames as it hits Mothra. It's fucking awesome. Um, and like everyone's going, what, what the hell's happening? We have these monsters under control. Um, and so basically the United Nations seems to be a lot of Japanese people and one old white guy. Um, and this one old white guy everyone is dubbed in this I watched some dubbed versions so you get the comedy terrible dubbing with atrocious voice acting and then the white guy is also dubbed with the most posh English accent of, oh good lord we must do something about Mothra and it's just like whoa where's that come from because I think the guy's actually American but they've dubbed him with a re- weird English accent anyway it turns out uh, a female space race called the Kylax have taken over they've basically got mind control of all of our monsters and they seem quite reasonable they kind of video conference in and say look you can have the monsters back if you just kind of submit to us forever um and there's some japanese guy on a rocket and he decides to kind of he breaks their mind control and the big finale that you're leading up to is all of the monsters 
decide to take on the Kylax on you know kind of like an Avengers assemble of kaiju so you've got Godzilla Godzilla's weird geeky son um who kind of just <laughs> wanders around the place doesn't really do much but Rodan Mothra's there yeah, how how can Godzilla's son be geeky seriously you look at him I, I i swear they had a four-year-old in a suit I, I swear they literally had godzilla's actor's son play him in a little rubber yeah, suit if godzilla's mike tyson then minya which is godzilla's son yes be millhouse yeah <laughs> it's it's utterly bizarre uh, and what i love about it is um the car let's go ha ah, we've got a space monster your monsters will never win and king Ghidorah comes down a three-headed space dragon um it kicks off massively. And I mean it actually kicks off because the monsters wrestle him to the ground and then just start kicking him in like like some hooligans outside of a Millwall match. They, they And at one point, Godzilla is using his big fire... Well, his big kind of weird ray beam breath uh, on the Kylak base and it doesn't work. So he literally just kicks it in like someone trying to break into their house after they've locked themselves out. Breaks through. It's, it's mental. Um... It's got terrible acting and then even worse voice dubbing with kind of like five second delays uh, between the conversations. But I had a load of fun with it. And um, and I think this is pretty much the archetypal Godzilla film. that If people think of a kind of jokey, ridiculous Godzilla film, I think this is exactly what they're thinking of. And it rem- I, I, I went on Letterboxd afterwards. I gave it two stars out of five. I cannot give it more than two stars because it's it's a bad film. But I don't regret watching it, and I quite enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, Owen, what film did you watch uh, for this? Okay. It seems like I've gone for one that's like not really as fun as the other choices. Um, <laughs> it seems to have gone down more of the sentimental route, which I was kind of expecting, I guess, a little bit. Um, but I chose the 1995... Uh, forgive my pronunciation. Hi she, I think you pronounce it. Hi she, hi she. I say, I say. I say, yeah. Um, film. It was their last one. Uh, before the American reboot, it was Godzilla versus Destroyer. Uh, and that's not me putting on a hokey accent. That is, it's pronounced from what I can tell from the spelling. D e s t o r o y a h. Destroyer. Exactly. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, before anyone complains, I'm not taking the piss of a Japanese accent. It is Destroyer. Okay. So, uh, yeah, as I say, last one in the series before Roland Emmerich's um, horrific attempt at remaking the series for an American audience. But I chose it because I wanted to see um, what it was like. I was curious to see how it compared to that 90s film, the American one. Um, you know, was it linked at all with... Was there something I was going to get from this? Because actually it would make the American remake sort of a bit better because there'll be references to it and there'll be a little bit of an homage to what went before. Um, but no, no, it's nothing to do with that at all. Not in the slightest. There is no connection from what I can gather at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I said to Matt elsewhere, my kind of initial one word opinion of Godzilla versus Destroyer is it was laughable. Everything about it was just laughably bad, I'm afraid. Um, well, okay, maybe that's maybe I'm being a little bit harsh. Not everything is laughably bad. Um, I did like some of the special effects that we've talked about. It's the same guy who uh, I did check this earlier. He's the same guy who did the versus King Ghidorah film as well, um, and also the brilliantly titled Godzilla, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla film. <laughs> <laughs> Space um, Godzilla isn't a highlight. 
Is it not? Oh, <laughs> what a shame. Got a great title there. Um, <laughs> but I did kind of like the special effects, and um, they reminded me a little bit of like Red Dwarf or the bad guys you get in Power Rangers. You know, just as someone quite clearly in a massive, co- in just this really heavy looking costume smashing their way through a cardboard city. Um, but I kind of liked it and it seemed to move quite well. You know, you've got these rubber limbs that are kind of jiggling about all over the place. Uh, and the movement does look a little bit restricted. It's not um, the most natural that I've seen, for want of a better word in this context. You know, a giant lizard is not going to be very natural. But, you know, it just looked a bit restricted. But I quite liked it. There's something endearing about it. It was fun. And the designs were completely over the top and crazy, which also kind of worked. You know, you've got a glowing orange Godzilla because his nuclear something's going to explode. And it's just (laughs) it's a bit silly. But yeah, the worst part about it, though, was the story, because for the life of me, even after reading a description that Matt did send to me, I just (laughs) cannot work out exactly what was meant to be going on. (laughs) <laughs> what this destroyer actually is is still like i'm baffled by i don't understand one minute you've got these little crab things that are attacking this woman in a car and she's completely not bothered about it at all she might as well just be sitting there doing the nails or combing her hair or just ignoring it completely and then eventually it snips through the car and then it's just like well <laughs> that wasn't very scary it wasn't very tense what was the point of that um and you've got things like there's a bloke in um i think he's like a scientist or one of these engineers and there's a fish tank and it's full of these fish and suddenly there's this like nuclear thing alert and these little crab things are going to get everywhere and he looks back to the fish tank and they're all skeletons it's just fish bones in the tank and he does this (laughs) proper like scream to the camera which is exactly (laughs) what happens in the original yeah. if you remember when they yeah. uh, show you the oxygen destroyer weapon so it is trying to to call back I, to yeah. the original i'm sure and, there are lots create of... a monster out of it <laughs> i'm sure there are lots of callbacks to the other films that i've just not seen uh, maybe that kind of went over my head a little bit um but yeah i just didn't really get on with it it was just nonsensical i didn't understand what was going on through most of it um i mean there's a bit at the start of the film where the scientist finds out what's happening to Godzilla, not because of any experiments or any theories that any of his like boffin friends have come up with. There's just like a note that's handed to them. (laughs) And it's apparently from someone who's like a fan of Godzilla and has come up with their own little theory and has kind of written into the scientists and they've gone, Oh, that must be it. That's what's going on. (laughs) I mean, maybe I've kind of misunderstood that bit. I don't know, but it just seemed like the ultimate super nerd to the rescue moment, you know, <laughs> kind of giving the fans of these these films a bit of hope that they might be able to come up with a solution because they've watched all these films. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe it was a bit of an homage and a thanks to the people who've given them all these money to make these films over the years. I don't I don't really know. Didn't really yeah. make much sense to me. Um, Basically, uh, the Destroyer film, as you say, it's the last one of the, the high side era. And by that point, they had already licensed the series off to, to uh, Columbia TriStar uh, or whoever it was who made mm. Godzilla uh, 1998. So they have to, to bring their series uh, to a conclusion, which they do in the movie, but conveniently lay a plot device to reintroduce Godzilla later. 
yeah. which they which they do do. So um, I well, think they do it, it, they do it in a very um, very like say very sentimental way. I guess it's a bit like a very sad uh, closure to the series because they have to get rid of Godzilla and there's no way he can come back and it's all that kind of thing and they kill off his little millhouse son who's in this. <laughs> <laughs> it's um. Yeah, but I don't know. I kind of wanted to enjoy it more than I did. And I wish I did watch one of the ones that was probably more fun and less about all the call wax and, you know, trying to round off a series of films, which I've not seen before. So maybe I'm being harsh when I say I didn't think it was very good. But I just didn't think it was very good. Um, Yeah, it provided a few laughs, though, I guess. I started to watch it after our last podcast. I watched it about half past midnight after I'd been drinking a bit too much beer and I just thought I still can't really enjoy this very much so <laughs> yeah I'm afraid it, it didn't really work for me okay um and Matt did you watch any of these specifically or or have you just kind of seen and enjoyed the whole franchise yeah well I've watched all of these um fairly recently and I re-watched Gojira over the weekend actually after seeing um the new godzilla um just to try and uh, align some sort of perspective over the two and um i don't think as, as a franchise it's ever going to get bigger or, or, or well it's certainly got bigger but it won't get better than the original uh, just because of the amount of emotional weight attached to it whereas everything that's going to come thereafter is predominantly popcorn entertainment um but that's absolutely fine. Um, but if we're going to do a, um, a top-up of all the, the films that uh, are within the series, then if we're going to recommend one of them for everyone to see, you have to see the original. And I would definitely advise you see the Japanese dub because um, the US version has some terrible scenes spliced into it involving uh, American actor Raymond Burr mm. who tries to explain what's going on in the most condescending and uh, ridiculous manner possible. It, it spoils the flow and the um, the tone of the film entirely. So if you're going to see one of them, see the original Gojira, see it dubbed, watch it late at night when it's dark, get the atmosphere just right, and you'll have a, a very good film in its own right rather than the more fun and silly films that, that come thereafter. Okay. So we'll have another break here, and up next is our review of the newest uh, version of Godzilla. Well, we'll just have to be honest with these Japanese investors. They uh, come from a culture that values honor and respect. And Godzilla. Godzilla! Okay, thanks. Godzilla! So on to our main uh, review now of the 2014 Godzilla film, uh, directed by Gareth Edwards, starring um, Brian Cranston, um, Elizabeth Olsen, and I can't remember the the other guy's (laughs) name. That's the fella. Um, Just let you know now, we will be doing a spoiler alert for this film after we've done the recommendation. So basically, once we've recommended some films to watch next week if you haven't seen this film i wouldn't recommend listening on after that point if you have then join us for spoiler alert um but that's that a bit of admin out the way what did we think of the 2014 godzilla film hmm 
Hmm. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I'll just say, I got quite excited about it because of the trailer. Which and, trailer? Um, the the Robert um, Oppenheimer the very, one? The one with the Oppenheimer, yeah, quote at the beginning, and the the, the skydive, and yeah, I thought, oh, yeah. wow. That one sent me over fantastic. the edge. That's one of yeah. my all-time favourite advanced trailers. That's, that's, the tra- that's the trailer that, for some reason, by accident, I saw in reverse and upside down at one shot. <laughs> I remember you saying, yeah, and you were saying it was that, I that design Because well, I'd, not, I'd not seen a trailer for it. It was the first time I've seen a trailer for it. Yeah. Is this some kind of gimmick that they've put in? For some <laughs> for some reason, because everything else, there was no problem with anything else in the screening. Everything else was right way yeah, right yeah. way up, right way in, you know, forward. It was fine. This one, the sound was backwards. It was played backwards, and it was played upside down. And I thought, is this some kind of choice? Some weird thing that i don't that's get a, that's a big art house blockbuster move that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't some, someone just cocked up at the cinema somewhere along the line and yeah. yeah now so i got excited about that and then a few people that i like and pretty much respect in terms of what they think yeah but don't always agree with them but i definitely respect what they have to say about films um really lowered my expectations of the film and in the end, I've kind of come out in the middle. I, I, I quite enjoyed it. And the more I think about it, the more I, the more I respect it rather than necessarily enjoyed it. Yeah, I kind of agree with that in in most senses because I, there were there were bits of of Godzilla I loved. I thought mm, the, at yeah. least for the first 15 minutes of the film, the way it starts, I just thought the, this is going to be It's a brilliant start. Amazing. Great start to a film, yeah. And then it gets a little bit bogged down in trying to explain like the science behind everything, um, why this is possible, what could be happening. And then as it tries to get into all this, this science... They just of... need some Futurians, basically. <laughs> <laughs> just some Earthlings hovering along in a spaceship. Yeah, just, it, it was missing a UFO. Yeah. It was definitely missing a UFO. Right. But all the, the stuff about trying to make it seem plausible that you could have yeah. a giant lizard was wasted. It's a giant fucking lizard who's <laughs> powered by nuclear energy. You're not going to make it plausible. Give yeah. up. Just carry on with the film. <laughs> I don't know, um, Godzillasaurus is quite plausible in King Ghidorah. <laughs> you reckon? I think that's, that's the Genesis plot they should have gone with. Um, I don't have any problems with the choice. In some ways, I think it's quite a clever way of explaining it, but I just wish yeah. they didn't try to make it so like important. It's not. It's, it doesn't matter where he's really come from, because that's it's a giant really fucking lizard thing. from the bottom of the sea. It doesn't... And we want to see we want to see him smash shit up basically. It's not so, even no, that I... I just wanted to see him smash it up. I just no. wanted them to stop going on about it. <laughs> no, no, that's fair enough. Um, but obviously Matt was super excited. And here's our Godzilla nerd, Matt. What did you think? Well, in a nutshell, it, I really liked it. But there, oh. there was things wrong with it from from my point of view, and things that I will cover in in spoiler alert, which didn't sit well with me. I don't think we were given the film that we were teased we were going to get from those really early uh, trailers. That's very, that's very, very true, actually. It was very different to the kind of film I was expecting. Yeah, it's, al- it's almost like they changed their mind halfway through and did something else. Um, I, might, I might be missing something here, but what were people expecting? It's a film about Godzilla. It's a film that's going to have some silly science and a monster wrecking stuff, and that's what it was. Well... From my point of view, basically, with that first advanced trailer which uses the 
Robert Heimer, Robert Oppenheimer mm-hmm. quote of the Bhagavad Gita, where he speaks of becoming the destroyer of worlds. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, strongly alluded to the fact that they were going to make this Godzilla the destroyer, um, as in the original Gojira in uh, uh He was going to turn up completely unstoppable. Mankind won't know what the fuck to do about it. Um, loads of stuff would get destroyed and someone would figure out some sort of dire uh, consequence um, to f- uh, try and destroy it, i.e. like a, a nuke or something like that, whereby but destroying Godzilla would ultimately result in destroying off the planet or something along those lines. Yeah. They went nowhere near that. Uh, they played it pretty safe as far as I'm concerned. But that doesn't take away from the entertainment value of the no. film at all. No, I, I think you're right. And uh, as Owen said, I thought there was a great opening. It was very evocative. Uh, I really enjoyed that that old uh, the diagrams of the prehistoric uh, underwater monsters and the stock footage yeah. of nuclear testing. Oh, yeah, and what, that, that was I, all I really nice. Down. I really enjoyed the titles, and it's very rare. Because I, 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 I knew I was coming back on the podcast, I thought I'd try and be a bit prepared. I, I dusted off the old notebook and took that to the <laughs> cinema with me. And the first thing I got written down is titles, tick. Actually, the music, the like you say, the stock footage, the diagrams. Yep. The, that, those titles were great, actually. They didn't take too long. They got you into the film. They got you into the mood. And that opening with uh, Ken uh, Wanatabi and oh, yeah. uh, Sally Hawkins... Um, that was that was a great opening. That has, that has well. like a real Jurassic Park feel to it. Yeah, it was yes. the whole yeah. thing was very Spielbergy. You know, yeah. Yeah. all of it felt very like a, a Spielberg yeah. film. And I think first, most people were the expecting first, um, the first face palm. The first face palm I did of the whole thing was the helicopter flying over the Philippines, which I thought this looks just like Jurassic <laughs> Park. <Yeah. laughs> this is like this. This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he's clearly been massively influenced there. Um, I, a lot of it is difficult to say too much without, without going into too much detail because, uh, well, from my point of view, a lot of what I want to talk about that was good and bad is quite spoilery, actually. Um, all I would say, though, is that it, it looked fantastic. I saw it in 3D and I think the 3D was pointless. Um, yeah, I will just say that it really annoyed me because it, that was the showing I had to go to see that's the one showing i could fit in which were kind of annoyed me and i did see the other day because i was i was in london at the weekend and i wanted to go and see it at the bfi imax but it had sold out um which was really really annoying um because i imagine it would have looked fantastic on imax but i saw brad bird um on twitter um director of uh, the incredibles ghost protocol a few things saying that he wanted to watch it in imax but he didn't want to watch it in 3d and is there any way you could do that and i don't think there is is there um which is a shame because i do think the 3d because it's already quite a dark film isn't it it was it wasn't a bright colorful film like destroy all monsters um so it was it was you know with those glasses as well it was quite it was quite a dimly lit film 3d is pointless anyway unless a film specifically made for 3d yeah tends to um uh but yeah so I, i but even if that said, I could still tell that the film looked great. Um, it was the look and... that attracted me to it because I was a bit dubious about, you know, is it going to be any good? And it was the, the look from the trailers that we've talked about and that first sort of opening segment, which was like, yeah, this is going to look fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. That's what convinced me. But the, yeah. the, I saw it in 3D as well. And I mean, I didn't have any of these problems with it looking too dark. I know it's not—it's not just you. Lots of people have said exactly the same thing. It's—you know—it's a very dark-looking film, and to then have 
have 3D glasses on top of it, which just makes everything a bit blurry and dim anyway, is it is going to detract from what is otherwise quite a nice looking film, which is a yeah. shame. Um, but I, I I think that the bits he did right are, and I saw you have a bit of a discussion with someone on the Football 365 forum, Owen, about someone accused it of lazy directing, mm. which I, I I thought was nonsense. I thought it was really quite stylishly directed, actually. Oh, he's um, put so it, much effort into it. Yeah, just, yeah, so. exactly. It, it looks good. Um, some of it flows well. And one thing I do want to pick up on is the review that um, Callum did for our, mm-hmm. for the website. Uh, and I think he made a really good point, actually, about how the tease is so well done in this. Um, you you know, but Gareth Edwards knows you're here to see Godzilla and he keeps you waiting and waiting, but not not in an infuriating way. I was kind of really drawn in mm-hmm. uh, by that. tease. And actually, I will say my my main criticism, again, as is, is exactly as picked up by Callum, is that the the characterization um and the script don't do the visuals justice um and 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 that's far yeah that's far from godzilla's far from an isolated case though that's tends to be a problem with blockbusters in general these days i don't know whether it's a problem with gareth gareth edwards because i had the same problem he didn't write this one though did he no he didn't write this uh because i know i noticed that he did write someone else wrote this but I, i would say there's loads of blockbuster films that have got poor characterization and poor scripts and i'll be honest that's the issue i had with um pacific rim last year as well was a, a terrible script and some pretty poor characterization and in that film as well some terrible acting i think this film had better performance well, i thought brian cranston was pretty good in this excellent um, I, I, yeah I thought Brian Cranston was very good in this. I thought Ken Watanabe was good. Um, I, I like Sally Hawkins, uh, Julia Benoist, David Strathern, who I'm a big fan of. Um, Elizabeth Olsen was good, although she didn't really have much to do. Um, and I thought it was quite interesting because Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Taylor-Johnson are going to be in the new Avengers film together, aren't they? Yeah. As brother and sister next time rather than as uh, husband and wife. Uh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson did a decent enough job. I don't. Th- um, he was hardly recognisable, though, was he, as that kid from no, Kick-Ass? No, he's changed a no, lot. No, exactly. He, he, that, I thought that he's really kind of grown up. Um, uh, without trying to sound all daily mail, he's all grown <laughs> up. Um <laughs> Uh, but I do still think that was the issue. And the one thing that frustrates me about that is, you know, of, of everything you do to make a film, um, that's the stuff that doesn't cost a lot. Yeah, it costs getting a good scriptwriter or something like that. But in the grand scheme of things, compared to the special effects and the marketing, actually getting a good script doesn't cost a huge amount of money. So why don't more people bother with it? Is it because they think that people aren't that bothered about a good script. I don't know. Maybe it's just us geeks on film forums and on podcasts who care about shit yeah. like that. I don't know. I don't think uh, it necessarily it, makes it a bad script to have not very well-rounded characters, though. I mean, the, the original Godzilla, which we've just fawned mm. over, you know, that doesn't yeah. have particularly great characters in it. Um, it was doing something new and different, though, and I think you can get away with it a little bit more when you're the first of your kind when this is the something for i i and also i can't help but think that you know the medium of cinema has grown up and matured and we expect more from our films these days i do think and you know it it didn't detract that much from my enjoyment of the film like some other blockbusters have um i just i just i wanted a really intelligent monster film and i didn't quite get it and that's that's what disappointed Mm. me was was the the missed potential here i think 
Yeah, I mean, to me, we've already sort of mentioned this, this sort of Spielberg effect. It was like War of the Worlds for me, you know, mm. his film with mm. Tom Cruise, in that the yeah. characters are good enough. They get the, everything moving. Yeah. But it's about the world around them and the chaos mm. that's that's ensuing and how mankind is kind of adapting to that or how it's, you know, it can't adapt to that. It's just got to go through it and see it to the end, you know. Um mm. Whereas I, saw, I think I saw a couple of people who reviewed Godzilla so far and they've gone, well, if you like Pacific Rim, you'll probably like something like Godzilla with monsters hitting things, fighting. Good, it's good nothing Lord. like it's, totally it's completely different, different. I want to squash that rumour now um, that it's nothing like the cartoony um, nature of Pacific Rim, which is a yeah. film I like. I do like Pacific Rim. It's it's stupid. It's a totally it's silly film though. It's nothing yeah. like. Godzilla. This is not silly. No. Pacific Rim is meant to be stupid and silly. I it think. is it's, exactly. I yeah. think it's quite self-aware that it's stupid and silly. No one's no one's taking it seriously in that film. No, no nobody. Whereas the, no, this is you know, and you just look at the cast that they've got here and you think actually they're they're trying to make uh, a kind of it, not art house, but they're trying to make a serious film. Yeah, it's yeah. a mature monster movie, whereas Pacific Rim is, is, as you say, it's it's neon, it's cartoon. Kids would be really yeah. into it because it's got cool fight sequences. Uh, Godzilla's, whilst it it's been tailored to allow you know the twelves and unders to get in, it's very much uh, an adult focus movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ah, is there any more to say about it before we go on to spoiler alert? I would just say um, I saw it on Saturday in IMAX and it was outstanding, even with the 3D. And I've seen it tonight in my little cinema in the Isle of Man in just plain old vanilla 3D and it's fucking terrible. <laughs> so if if it does, if you're really excited about going to see the film and even if it does cost you a little bit more to get to an IMAX near you, if there is one, go and do it. it, it it's so worth it and it will magnify the experience enormously and you'll get a lot more of enjoyment out of it that way okay uh right then on to some uh, recommendations for films to watch in the next week or so i'm going to start off on um monday night as uh, on more four sorry tuesday night more four and it is a 1960 version of the time machine wow classic yeah gone classic there is that um james mason <laughs> that is uh rod taylor oh okay okay james mason was in one of those jules verney type ones i can't remember which one but cool nice choice steve there we are. okay uh james um i'm going for a new to netflix uk one it's a documentary obviously uh it's called terms and conditions apply uh i watched it over the i i work in um digital safety um and digital footprints and uh that kind of world and this really fascinated me it's a great documentary and it is about how much of our own lives we hand over to companies like google and facebook um and the basically what they can do with all your information it's an absolutely fascinating film really terrified me in some ways and what one of the key kind of uh facts that jumped out at me when i watched it was that um google make 500 dollars from everyone who uses their service every year we give away 500 dollars worth of data to google every year for them to do what they want with uh um it's it's really anyone who's got accounts with any of those big uh data companies 
it's worth watching. It's like one hour, 20 minutes, and it just shows the world in a completely different light. Absolutely fascinated me. So it's really, really well worth a watch. Okay, Owen? Um, I am going to pick a film that I think is quite topical because of other things that have been out at the moment. It's um, A Cock and Bull Story, which is on BBC oh, Two. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's on BBC Two, Sunday, 11.30pm. Um, I wasn't sure about it. I've got it on DVD, but I've only seen it once, and I wasn't that convinced that it was good. But I do like the director. Um, it's um, Michael uh, Winterbottom, who has worked with Steve Coogan on 24-hour party people, and quite recently, um, The Trip and The Trip to Italy. Mm. Um which uh, the trip to Italy. this is the genesis of the trip isn't it because it is steve coogan and rob bride it is the uh, same yeah exactly it's basically doing impressions and winding each other up it's... exactly yeah so i'm quite curious to to re-watch it and see what it's like but it's basically them trying to make the film of you know tristram tristram mm. tristram shandy and you know that right yeah. eventually um and hopelessly failing basically i uh, this is another one of those where I remember I saw the trailer for it and thought this is going to be the funniest film I've ever seen. And I went to see it in the cinema and I was kind of a little bit disappointed. But then on a, on a rewatch, I kind of liked it for what it is. Mm. And it, it, it is the prototype version of the trip. And if you enjoyed the trip, I think it's definitely well worth a watch. Yeah. So, yeah, BBC Two, Sunday, 11.30. And Matt? Short and sweet. Um, I'm going to go for a, a film that we've covered numerous times on the podcast, so I won't go over it in too much detail. But um, you've got Sky Movies, Action Adventure Channel. Uh, it'll be on um, Saturday night, stroke Sunday morning at quarter past midnight, and that's uh, Commando, starring Leonardo <laughs> Arnold. Um, the story of the one I man said army. I kill you last. I lie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let off some steam. <laughs> so oh, yeah, the story of the one-man army who is uh kicking ass to reclaim his, his kidnapped daughter from a south american cartel get your bazooka out give it a good watch and chill the fuck out <laughs> <laughs> okay right then, so that's all for this week's uh podcast unless you want to stick around for spoiler alerts uh so thanks to everyone who's contributed and listened to the podcast uh and been onto the website lately um so yes if you've seen godzilla and want to listen to a chat about it all more in detail and spoiling everything um then join us for the next bit if you haven't seen it and don't want it spoiled stop listening now and join us next week so time for spoiler alert for godzilla then uh, where we sort of pick the film apart in as much detail as possible um so where to start with this really um well we, we kind think... of oh sorry carry on i was just about to leap in there before you've finished your sentence go on sorry. then leap leap in so i leap in i was gonna say we've kind of skirted around mention it too mention it too much already mm. but it's not monster it's monsters isn't it yeah that's the first thing that uh we do need to cover and that kind of really ties into what matt was saying about the godzilla we were expecting mm. And uh, instead of Godzilla Destroyer, we got Godzilla the Saviour of Mankind, which is why Matt feels a bit cheated. Yeah, uh, just a little <laughs> bit. I mean, I've got no problem with the Mutos. I actually think the, the monster design was, was quite nice. I have heard some people talking shit about it online, saying that it's very um, close to these 
sort of safe, unimaginative monsters that have been portrayed in certain films, like the Cloverfield monster yeah. uh, of recent times. But no, I think they're, they're pretty cool. I mean, one thing that Gareth Edwards either did deliberately or, or not deliberately did quite nicely with the flying Muto, released certain snippets of that in the build-up for the film, which got everyone thinking that it was Rodan, which mm. would have got the hardcore really excited. Maybe disappointed ever so slightly when it turned out to not be Rodan, which you uh, James saw in, in Destroy All Monsters. Yeah. But um, it was pretty cool. And, and the fact that there was two of them, um, you, you get more bang mm. for your buck in that respect. But um, the one thing that I like about Godzilla and the Mutos in terms of monster design is they got the scale of it so yes. right. I mean, they were huge the overwhelming size of them and the way that it uses sort of low panning shots of humans on their backside and these massive over powering monsters on top of them and uh, then, in and certain then, scenes is, is absolutely fantastic and there was one scene that, that must have been deliberately done as a homage to the original ones where it was just kind of, of pulled back from the city with kind of big skyscrapers behind them, smaller buildings in front <laughs> of them, just kind yeah. of running at each other. Um, for people who haven't seen the older Godzilla films, imagine when you see the big Power Rangers robots. <laughs> all jo- but no, it's that kind of scene, isn't it? That you, yeah. If you've seen the old, yeah. if you've seen even clips of old Godzilla films, mm. it's what you'd associate with it. It's the yeah. two monsters kind of set in amongst a city from a distance going yeah. at each other kind of running at each other and that was what yeah. was really clever about this film wasn't it because it it you know matt just mentioned it then it was the how they got the scale where they were shooting from the humans level and rather than like yeah. in those old films where it was just like they were just normal size and the buildings were really small that didn't really yeah. make them seem massive that just made everything else seem small in this they seem massive and everything yeah. else is normal there's a scene that particularly stands out for me about the midway point of the film whereby um, the Mutos rock up in Hawaii and then all of a sudden um, it's plucked a fighter jet out of the air due to the, the EMP attack, which crashes into a plane, which then explodes and starts off a chain reaction of explosions at the airport. Everyone's going fucking crazy. And then all of a sudden, boom! a Godzilla foot just stomps down and shit just mm. got real. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That was so cool. <laughs> yeah. Lots of it was that train scene, I thought it was pretty cool. Didn't doesn't make a lot of sense, yeah. that scene, but the train scene itself mm. looked very good. And that was one yeah. of those moments where I thought, with this sort of Muto rising out of the shadows behind them, they, that looked cool. Yeah, you're talking about the bit where they're transporting the warhead on a yeah, train. Yeah, not, not go ahead on the. And it, they go ahead on the bridge to see if it, the bridge yeah. is still intact. And then they just that's the a end really just go, good tent scene. It is, yeah. but then you, at the same time you think, well, it must, it must be a safer way to transport it. And then they go, yeah. Oh well, yeah, we're actually just going to pop it on this helicopter. No, see you later. Yeah. You think, well, <laughs> you could have done that to start with, but never mind. Well, the reason why they can't put it on a helicopter in, in regards to the plot is because of the EMP. EMP. So they have to yeah. use mechanical yeah. transport. Al- although they kept sending fighter planes out all the time yeah, that, that fell out of the sky. You think they would learn that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, that's yeah. a very good also, point. Also, uh, you know when they go to the bit in Nevada where they keep all the nuclear waste and everything? Yeah. How yeah. has no one noticed that a big bit yeah, of the big hill... Hole. Yeah. <laughs> It's like they came at it from one angle. Yeah. It's like if they'd come from another angle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this it, is and so in this big pole. secure facility, surely would someone yeah. notice that half the side <laughs> of the mountain's gone. 
Yeah, but it looked fucking cool well, yeah. on screen. And 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 yeah, I, I there is an element of that in some of these. I, I'm pretty sure Gareth Edwards went. Yeah, it doesn't make quite as much sense, but fuck me, it looks good. So let's keep it in. I think there was that that real sense of, in, in that opening scene um, with the cave, and you cut away and you see that kind of like the devastation as the trail off into the sea. Yeah. Um, that was, you know, there were loads of great little scenes like that, which for me worked really, really well. Um, so yeah, we that, there's the first big thing. Second big thing is, fuck me, they like killing off characters, don't they? And, and I was yeah, shocked. Like, I was shocked. Like Game of Thrones style. Like I wasn't so shocked about Benosh. Yeah. I had a feeling Benosh was going to be that big name that gets killed off early, especially when we said, yeah, you go down to level five and it'll just be fine. Oh, fuck no. you Whatever's going on in level five, you're fucked, love. But killing off Cranston so early. Oh wow! Didn't expect that it was, at all. And it was, and it was kind of. I thought he'd survived, and then all of a sudden, oh fuck, no, he's dead. <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah, they they had no kind of fear of killing off the bigger names or the more traditionally big names, and and I think that helped give the film a sense of peril. And you did think, oh, anyone could possibly die here. That's yeah. It, it, the, I wish they'd have done something else though. Killed off somebody else. Yeah, I just thought without yeah, without I, Cranston, it, it lacked yeah. a certain. I mean, Aaron Taylor Johnson, he was good. Yeah, anyway, Cranston had a real manic energy. He, there he was, was there was the energy. Yeah. That's right, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, he had that energy of a lead actor in what was going to be a big blockbuster, and then 15 exactly. minutes in, it was like, oh fuck's sake, he's gone. Yeah, yeah, because Watanabe was very, he was good, but he was very laid back, and he didn't have many. Different I, I'm theories. annoyed with, with Watanabe. I'm, I'm going to say. I like um, the way he said. I was really excited when I saw he was cast for this because he's like yeah. the the perfect sort of crossover actor from Japanese to American cinema. He speaks very well. No one will mind that it's a, a foreign accent. He's just a, a tremendously powerful actor. And I don't think he's portrayed very well in this at all. Um, the one good thing about his character, Dr. Serizawa, is that it is a, a call back to the original Godzilla because that is the name of the doctor who creates the oxygen destroyer which kills course, godzilla yeah. uh, so that was cool but and his first name's ishiro after the first director as well yeah. isn't it ishiro honda there you go there you go cool. i read wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> um, he's he he assumes too much and he's always right which really annoys me that godzilla Fair, he yeah. will address the balance of nature and yeah. he will protect us and he will fight and kill them i'm just like I did like what? the bit where he just goes, let them fight. And I was like, yeah, fuck, let them fight. <laughs> Get off with it. Yeah. He did uh, give us our obligatory um, Hiroshima reference as well. Yes. I think that was always probably going to be in there. Yeah. Godzilla, yeah. Oh, nuclear oh, weapons, say... Japan. Yeah, that was going to happen, then it did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of my favourite bits, actually, were some of the, the less, uh, the more surprising bits. One bit that really struck me uh, was that very early, the the nuclear power station going into meltdown. I uh, will just say, does meltdown really appear in a cloud of gas like that? Because I thought radio, well, I'm, I'm not sure anyway, but... Yeah, Brian Cranston staring at an empty corridor mm. was actually a really moving scene. Because yeah. you, because uh, you... A really empty, quiet corridor, and that gave me chills. A lot of people would have taken the easy option of just seeing them running from a distance and not mm. getting there in time. Exactly. Uh, for me, it was it was far scarier. 
and far more disturbing the fact that you knew what was going on and all he could hear was silence mm. and that was that was a really well shot scene really well acted scene as and well and then the tapping could have, at the glass yeah and yeah, yeah like, you think oh yeah because you've seen the guy and then they're then they're there and it's wow that was a really really powerful scene and there were a few kind of small quiet scenes in there that were really really nicely handled i thought um as well as obviously the big godzilla scenes as well um and i'm, I'm still trying to work I've, I've been thinking about it a lot today um because i went to see it lunchtime and uh it was something that someone pointed out in, again on the football 365 forum and they said that um basically aaron taylor johnson's character is completely inconsequential in this entire film he he and i think they're right i don't think he does anything that makes any difference to the plot whatsoever but, i'm but it's i mean but now i'm thinking that's the whole point and and i've kind of come around to this thing of thinking that the hum everything the humans do makes no difference because that's what um what Anabi's character was talking about about nature restoring yeah. balance actually and so in a way i'm thinking that's a really interesting idea i just don't think it makes the greatest film and that's a show because i i think it's i i think that's a purposefully overreaching idea the idea that the humans involved in this film are just bystanders as some fuck off prehistoric monsters kick the shit out of each other uh, and that's na- we can't do anything about nature we think we've got control of nature and we haven't nature's got control of us and so i'm starting to think that maybe the fact that i felt per- i felt as well that the humans were inconsequential to the story actually is a is a decision that gareth ed was made i just i think it's a nice idea i just don't see how it translates in terms of entertainment because i wasn't really too bothered about the plight of ford Brody. i'll be honest no, but, especially considering his stupid name <laughs> but this the story is really focused on him isn't it really mm. i mean i know people one of the things people complained about is there's not enough godzilla in the film mm. which i don't agree with i think it's done no, I think I think that balance. It balances right, yeah. just exactly right, yeah. Um, but I think part of it is it focus. It has to focus on a person. You have mm. to have someone who is who you're seeing the film through. You can't just have it you, as Godzilla as the protagonist because yep. that just wouldn't work. So you have Aaron Taylor Johnson who is the soldier. He's honest. He's actually the plot is that he's a bomb fitter or bomb disposal mm. chap. Yeah. And so at some point, you know, he's going to have to you know do that skill's going to come, it's gonna come very handy later on in this film. Yeah, exactly. But the yeah. as well as that, you've got the reason for him being where Godzilla is, is he's getting back to see his family. And that's how yeah. he's mixed up with the whole army stuff. And that kind of makes sense to me. I totally agree. I just don't think he I just don't think he affects. The Not at all. No, I, I totally see why he is in every bit. I totally and I totally agree with you. We need a, a human. We need a proxy there for us. Yeah to to see how this action happens but he doesn't come up with any ideas that kind of like save the world he doesn't he's he things happen around him rather than because of him Uh, and and like i say i think with some films that is a weakness and it's potentially a weakness here as well um but i but i think it i don't necessarily think it's by accident it could well be by design because it does fit into this idea that we humans have got no say in what's going on here they're they're above us they are the the prime predators and therefore whatever we do makes no difference whatsoever so that because i came out thinking that and then maybe i'm trying to defend the film by coming up for reasons why i might feel like that but like i say i still don't think that works in terms necessarily of the entertainment of a movie but that's a shame i think it's a nice idea but i'm not sure how it translates yeah just on that point about him being a soldier 
and you, actually he's not a person that um influences things around him he's just someone you're witnessing experience stuff happen yeah um i thought they did really well with keeping the army as basically ants in this world mm. they're just yeah. fleas that are just in the way of godzilla and these mutos and they're just they're trying all they all the, to do everything they can to stop them to uh, you know eliminate these creatures well actually they're, they're pretty much got no influence on what's yeah. happening at all yeah and it Bridges, avoids um sorry Aaron. i was just saying it just avoids the trap of going all america fuck yeah mm. kind of you know that yeah. stick with the army which makes me think because i saw apparently in the imdb trivia apparently the um the marine corps refused to take part in the film after reading the script yeah. and part of me thinks that's because they couldn't like come to the rescue yeah, exactly. whereas the navy were quite happy to play a part in the film so that's quite interesting yeah. uh, the monster itself looked quite good i think when you were kind of when you saw maybe not so much side on but front front on, it looked a lot more like the kind of traditional Godzilla you see from the Japanese it felt films, legit, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, I when, know when, CGI. When you saw but... when you saw it front on, I mean not from the side. From the side, it just looked like a, a big monster. But front on, it looked like the kind of a, a CGI version of what you'd see in the Japanese. Yeah, film. it looked like a brilliant version of a man in a suit, and, and, <laughs> and, a, that was great. and a lot better than the the '98 one, where it was just just looked like a dinosaur from Jurassic Park. It was, yeah, exactly. It that just looked like a Jurassic Park outtake. Yeah. yeah. This felt like Godzilla. That's the thing. This felt like Godzilla. He actually had um, a personality. It wasn't just a big lizard. Mm. It, it, this, you looked at this and went, "That's fucking Godzilla." Because yeah. I mean, at the end of the film on the on the TV screen, going back to them having their personality, you see the the headline that says "Godzilla, our city savior?" Question mark. He just mm. walks back into the sea, and you kind of yeah. think, you know, is he really their savior, or is he not? Because he did wreck a lot of stuff. He might have killed. Yeah. He might have killed the other two monsters. He did a fair bit of damage himself. I, and I think that I think that was quite a nice comment on how we as humans kind of anthropomorphize mm-hmm. animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Godzilla wasn't our save. Godzilla was. They said. Um, they said it enough times. He was a hunter. He was just hunting his prey, killed it, went back off home again. He had no compulsion to save humanity. And I thought that was quite a nice statement yeah. on the fact that we like to attribute human behavior to animals it wasn't just like but... yeah i've killed him now and now i'm going back in the sea See you yeah later. it was just like yeah it, that was what he was hunting for he killed it and yeah. yeah he's going home it doesn't mean that he loves humans and and maybe this sequel that we've got coming up is going to be a darker sequel where um we thought we could trust godzilla and it turns out he's a dick i don't know <laughs> <laughs> he's just a real bastard yeah <laughs> I actually had a, a bit of a problem with the way that it sort of slants towards a, an heroic Godzilla. I didn't like that at all. And the certain behaviours of the monster in, in the film that I think would really tick off a lot of classic Godzilla fans. Like, for instance, if you take the original Godzilla and then the High era Godzilla and, and onwards, Godzilla is hostile. And if you provoke it, it will fight back. And yeah. there's... The scene at the Golden Gate Bridge where they panic and start launching missiles at it, and oh, it God, basically yeah. just ignores them and carries on. You know, it's like moans because yeah. it's got hurt a bit, but it doesn't attack them. I'm like, that's bullshit. And then there's a scene whereby Godzilla is chasing the Mutos from Hawaii to San Francisco, mm. and he 
Oh, they're, they're allowing just boats next to it. They're him. just escorting <laughs> him. I'm like, that's bullshit. That would never happen in that any other That looked really Godzilla weird movie. to me. It was so that really looked weird. Jesus. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're just going to follow him there and he won't mind. And it's like, bullshit. Can... He would tear you to pieces if he, if he actually acknowledged the fact that you were there. That just, that just seemed a bit stupid because the army was saying, right, we need to destroy him. We need to destroy him. And the, the Japanese scientists said, no, let them fight. But they were sort of like, why aren't you trying to destroy him while he's like away from any land? Well, they did show in the opening credits, didn't they, where they tried to nuke him and it actually turns out that he kind of enjoyed that because he absorbs nuclear energy, you know, but... Hmm. Yes, as, I don't as, know. As, as is science. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this anyway, dubious science. Anyway, I don't think uh, we can say too much more on Godzilla. Um, varied opinions there on the, on the film, but I think in general it was, it was enjoyed. Um yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, as we said before, spoiler alert. Thanks to everyone who's listened to us. Uh, we'll be back next week with um, X Men: Days, Days of, of Future, Future Past. Past. Um, yeah. So yes, looking forward to that one already. Uh, so thanks for listening and join us next week. The failed critics are James Diamond, Steve Norman, and Owen Hughes, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod and Competech.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com. At Facebook at facebook.com slash failedcritics and on Twitter at at failedcritics. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.